As most of you know, we are currently going through a period of pastoral transition. Over the past many months, we have completed an extensive search for our next senior pastor, and we've also held a really wonderful celebration for our founding pastors, Brad and Becca Zinn. This morning, you have come at just the right moment to be a part of an important and significant step in this process. Before I get to that, um, I also want to acknowledge that this transition will be underway throughout September, and so we'd ask you to have some grace and bear with us um, during this time if things don't always run as smoothly as maybe we would like or um, look as full as we would like. It's, it's a transitional moment, um, and so you might see some smaller worship teams than usual, or you might see some longer announcements than usual, um, or things like that. So um, we appreciate your grace and your, and your welcome. Um, as we were praying for the service this morning, one of the things that came to many of us as we prayed was recognizing that um, there's just uh, recognizing that while this is a moment in which lots is new, this is also a moment in which we recognize and celebrate many of the really wonderful and powerful things about this community that have drawn many of us here and kept us here. So um, as someone prayed this morning, we're doing some redecorating perhaps, um, but the foundation here is really good. Um, and so it's wonderful to be here with all of you this morning. It's wonderful. Uh, let's see. So this moment, therefore, is the moment where a lot of us get to see something we have worked for really come to life. A senior pastor transition is not a small undertaking. And I think I speak for most of us in saying we've been praying this goes really well ever since we knew it was happening. We've prayed that God would bring together this community and the right amazing leader to take us in the next phase. We know, and those of you getting to know us um, will understand this probably fairly quickly or maybe understood enough of this to make it worth visiting with us this morning. We feel like we're a bit unique. We're small, but we have a really big vision. We're centered and focused on Jesus, but we're inclusive and striving to be anti-racist. We're deeply spiritual, and yet we strive to be really concretely practical. So nothing, absolutely nothing against other churches, but those of us who've been here a while have, have done that for a reason. This place, this community gives us life, and it helps us experience God's power and God's healing in our lives, and it helps us contribute to making this city an even better place for all of us. So when I say we've prayed over who our next leader would be, I mean that we knew we had really high expectations, really specific expectations. As, as I'm sure anyone would say in any context, for us, this isn't just some normal senior pastor job. And it's not going to be just some normal candidate who fills it. So this morning, I am thrilled to introduce to you. I'm thrilled to introduce Angel to you. From the beginning of our process, we could tell she was someone who had the same values and the same passions and was looking to do the same things and be involved in the same kind of work that we are. We found Angel to be a steady and strong leader, a humble leader, and a great listener. And while God has been busy shaping us to be a community with a clear and specific leadership need, we believe God has been shaping Angel to be a leader with exactly the experience, skills, values, and style to meet that need. So this morning, we are going to welcome Angel to share the sermon, and after the service, we will have a formal membership vote on her candidacy. I'll return to some of those details later. Um, but especially for those of you that are visiting with us and are kind of walking into the middle of a moving train here, I just want to say welcome. Um, this is a great moment to be a part of a really beautiful place. And Angel, we are thrilled to have you be a part of it this morning. Welcome.
Good morning. It's a way to check the mic. All right, I'm short. I feel that reinforced right now. <laughs> Can I just take a moment and just look? This is great. It is so wonderful to be here with you. I've been praying for you and imagining life with you, and I am so happy, so thrilled to be here today. Been looking forward to it. I wanted to thank everyone for their prayers and encouragement over the last month, particularly. Um, my life, the life of my family, has been filled with a lot of uh, joys and sorrows. Um, and so, sorrows in the death of my dad, as, as many of you know, and and experiencing and watching my mom grieve, which is, which is, you know, you have yours, but when you watch your parents, it's a whole different thing. They were married for 66 years. So 16 and 19 when they got hitched. So um, if you would remember her in your prayers, eventually we'll get her back up here um, to come see you all as well, I hope. And then in the midst of all of that, we had some joy. My son graduated in May, yeah, and he started college in end um, of uh, August, yep. And then as many of you know, my daughter got married Thursday. <laughs> so we have been rolling down the river, uh, getting stuff done. Um, but we wanted to make sure in the midst of this that it, you just know how grateful we are and have been for your prayers. We felt them. They have strengthened us, me, and encouraged me in the process. So. That's what family's for, right? All right, so thank you again for that. Um, so if you would join me. Oh, wait a minute. Just for formal recognition, uh, I'd just like if my, my husband might want to stand. My son will probably just wave. But this is my husband, Robbie. And this is my son, Josiah. He's a quiet guy, but very tall. Uh, um, and my daughter and her husband, which is still weird, <laughs> will come at, towards the end of the month and pay us a visit, so that would be good. So if you'll join me in prayer, dear God, thank you uh, for this moment. I thank you for um, all the moments like this that you were preparing my heart and my mind to, uh, to stand in leadership with your people. We pray for our future together, Lord, that you would guide, that you would lead. We humble ourselves under you. Holy Spirit, you are, have always been and will forever be welcome in this place, in us. So my deepest desire is that you would have your way, that your words would be spoken and not mine, that even if you choose to change the sermon today, which I hope you don't, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, because I know you're here and we follow you. But this is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. He's done that. I'm like, ooh, okay. All right. Um, it's been, uh, you know, really hard trying to figure out what I was going to share with you all today. Um, I had so many thoughts. I'll do this. I'll do that. And uh, then I tried to put myself in your seats and figure out what you wanted to hear. And... Um, as I speak, you can just pop the slides up, so, um, and you'll get cued in by what I, by what I say. 
Um, I tried to sit in your seats and then I started to think about what you want to know. And the first thing I came up with was some questions that, that you may want to know. Is she biblically and theolo theologically sound? Maybe one question. The second one is, can she preach? <laughs> the third one is, is she boring? The last one is, is she crazy? Because <laughs> I've been to church, y'all. <laughs> I've been to church. So I know, I know. But mostly you probably want to know what makes me tick, you know, and what's my heart. So I, I hope to share, at least begin to share that over these next few weeks with you. Um, so I wanted to give you the answers to those questions. Oh, that's my... Some of y'all have been praying, Lord, please, please, don't let her be crazy. Don't let her be crazy, Lord. But I wanted to share the answers. So the answer to the first question is yes. The second one is I've been told that, so I'm going to say yes. And then the, the third one is I hope I'm not boring. And then the last one is, well, you know, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. All God's children got some crazy, okay? Okay, I'm no exception, so it'll be all right. It'll be all right. So I prayerfully sought the Lord's guidance, and uh, he gave me four areas to focus on in these coming weeks. I can't say that I'll do them in order, or um, I might skip one, but these are the things that I feel like the Lord told me to, to talk about. I'm going to talk about the message of uh, Mosaic Community Church, the means, the method, and the movement over the next coming weeks. So I just want you to know I got a plan. So. <laughs> but today, we're going to talk about the message. Last night, I was asked um, what I was most excited about in being with you. Um, and my answer was community. Um, I like to drill down on that because probably the answer I gave someone probably didn't satisfy. But you know how you kind of preview, well, you may not know. You preview your sermon, and then when you go to preach your sermon, it doesn't feel like this. So. I did that. Um, I like to drill down today on the message um, and, um, that we have to share with Greater Philadelphia and the world, um, and it's on the meaning of community and how it reflects my understanding of how I fit into the world, and it frames my understanding of my relationship with God, my family, this church, other churches, and the extended community. It's the foundational principle of my life. Uh, why? Simply because it's who God is. God is community. That is my understanding of the nature, the identity of God. And you may have been, heard it expressed as God is Trinity. Everybody familiar with that? Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, a holy community. When um, we talk about God, we're discussing more than just a concept. You want, want to discuss an experience, an encounter with a real being, right? And sometimes we have those theoretical conversations with people about subject matters in, in the church and things happening. But at its core, we want to talk about a relationship we have because that's the thing that's different. That's the thing that makes this significant because you actually get to meet somebody and not just hear about somebody. And it's still nice to gather together like this and have a good time with one another, but if you put up strobe, like we'd just be at a club, you know? There's something that's different about when we gather like this in worship. 
to talk about the reality of God and have an encounter with this God, this being. Um, we discuss our encounters with the three persons of the one God, who is the one God, you know, parent, son, spirit. Sometimes they say father, son, spirit. I try to bring in the breadth of my understanding because the scripture talks about God as mother just as the scripture talks about God as father. And so we say parent and the son of God, which is Jesus. He was a guy, the son of God and the spirit who moves. These three being distinct, different, but one. A man named uh, Tertullian, he was one of the early church parents, church fathers, introduced this term called Trinity way back in the second and third generation of the church. He taught that God was unum, but not unas. And that simply means that God was one thing, but not one person. That God was one thing and not one person. I remember hearing that, you know, when I was in church as a young person, we just accepted that there was a trinity, but people really couldn't explain it. You have that experience? You know, so it just, you know, God in three persons, you know, that's about it. <laughs> so that when I was able to attend seminary, um, my mentor in school was a construction theologian, which means she was a systematic teacher. And she drilled, she drilled, and it was so eye-opening to me, and it changed my life. God, parent, son, spirit, the union of the three is so close, so loving, so true, so sweet and tender, and so committed to each other that the three of these distinct people become one God and they are community. You say, okay, that's nice, Angel. That's a nice little lecture, but can you get a little bit more uh, specific and particularly related to why it's important to me being here and why community is important. All right, I said before, when we as believers talk about God, we are not just speaking of a theory, but we're talking about encounters and experiences with the living God. Slide, please. God is community. So God created us, one, to experience God's divine community. And then God, number two, created us to model that divine community as humanity. That is a high call. That is an incredible call. The technical words we use in the church are imago Dei, that reflection of God in the earth, right? But when, again, let's go to scripture, Genesis 126. I just want to verify that what I'm talking about is, is in the book, okay? Because we talk about this thing of Trinity, but the word is never used in Scripture. It's never, it's never used in Scripture. But when we look at first, uh, Genesis 1, 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man, humanity, in our own image and our likeness, and let them have dominion. Now, dominion is a loaded word. Eventually, we'll come back and deal with that loaded word, but not today. <laughs> Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. King James says all the creepy, creepy things. <laughs> In Genesis 1:27 says, and so God created mankind 
humanity in God's own image. And in the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. So we see this notion that there was more than one person present in the creation of humanity. And that this is who our God is. These three distinct beings, parent, son, spirit. Three distinct, all present at creation, right? And he created us in the image and likeness of himself. And God, I already did all of that. And God said, <laughs> um, and that let us make man. There are things we deal with as, as people in in our society, right? We have this thing called rugged individualism that is a part of the, the notion of being an American. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, by myself, and I did it. And so I think so often that has come into our church experience. And so when we start talking about what it means to reflect the image of God, we talk about how I reflect the image of God. It's me that reflects the image of God. But the truth and reality is we reflect what exists. And what we just learned is, is that what exists is these three persons that have this unity, this sweetness, this tenderness, this commitment to themselves that they are so close and tight and connected that they became one. And then this same being decided that he would create humanity. So why would humanity not reflect the image of God? The one becoming many, or the many becoming one, as God is. And so the reality is that you and I reflect the image of God. We can't do it by ourselves. It has never been possible to do it by ourselves. It is thrilling to look in the mirror and encourage yourself and say, you are the image of God, because I am, but I'm only part of that. And true understanding comes to me of the reflection of God's image when I look in another's face. Even in a mirror, I see myself backwards. But when I look in your eyes, I can see the truth of who I am. And I can see the truth of the relationship that exists or does not exist between you and I. If we're committed to each other, if we're accepting of each other, or if we're doing things that separate, or as my mentor says, deals in death. Because God brought us together to be life givers, not just in the female body, but in the full body of the community that God created called humanity. And we reflect that image that way with that certainty and that power that calls us together. Amen? Amen. All right. I always do this. I'm trying to stay close to a script because I'm tired. <laughs> now, there's this wonderful term that was created, or I think it's wonderful. You guys be like, mm. It's called perichoresis. And it's called, and it, it means an interpenetrating unity or mutual interdependence. This perichoretic unity that God has, this interpenetrating unity. Now when we are a full adult crowd, I'll take that a little deeper. But when you start thinking about the words and whatnot that are mentioned, there is a closeness that scripture refers to and often heard during the wedding ceremony that two people become one flesh. And it is a reflection of the many of us becoming one body that that closeness in relationship is what God desires of, of us. Um, now, in simple layman's terms or just angel terms, I define it this way. I define it as with everything I am 
and everything I have on the inside of me and the outside of me, I choose you. I choose you every day in every way that you will be the best that you can be if you are in my presence. And when you are without, outside of my presence, I will think of you and encourage you and support you. This is a choice. I choose you. Just as the Father and the Son and the Spirit choose one another. Often in the Gospels, Jesus would make comment of the Spirit or the Father. That he would honor them in the, in the comments that he would make, right? That I'm saying, I want to be like them. So I'm going to honor you in the comments I make about you, in the thoughts I allow my mind to think of you. And even when there is some form of disagreement, I'm still going to honor you in the way that I handle that disagreement. I'm going to honor you. I have made that commitment. See, far too often, we think that unity and agreement means that we have to uh, agree about everything. But unity in Christ, walking together as a community, doesn't, isn't about those little things. You know, if you wear purple and, and I choose brown, if, uh, I don't know, I have more money than you and you have less than me, if you're cis and I'm trans, if I'm gay or straight, I'm black, you're white, Latino, Asian, all that stuff that the world says is this thing that you, can, you would choose to separate and that makes this distinction. As the members of Christ's body, we decide that no, that doesn't. That doesn't. And even in a world that is corrupt and in some ways our country imploding, I can make an, a, a decision in my choice of you, that I will take the advantages that I have and place them at your disposal so you will rise with me. Because we're one. Because I choose you and you choose me. And because of the greatest gift there is that Jesus, God, Father, God, Spirit, God, chooses you and I too. The greatest gift, an older minister, Mr. Dorsey, Pastor Dorsey, left me. I started picking up on it. He was getting older, you know, and so he'd fall asleep in the pulpit, and you know, it was just really sweet, right? And so he would, uh, when I was in Boston, he would preach sermons, you know, he'd go and do the sermons, and I watched over about uh, the time I was in Boston, about 10 years, you know, the sermons get shorter and shorter because he had to reduce it down because he was tired. He wouldn't take a nap. He had to reduce it down to what was really important. And the thing that was really important for Pastor Dorsey to share with, with me or with us was this. I want you to know, he would say, I want you to know God is for you. I don't care who says he's against you. God is today and tomorrow and forever for you. This is the message that we have to share with this community. This is the message we have with one another to give encouragement. God is for you. No matter what you're going through, no matter how you think of yourself or your mother or your father, your friend, your husband or wife acting up, it doesn't matter. God is for you. In this community, God is for our community. God is for our state. God is for the people of this world. And this message, when we are looking at so many things to divide, 
to see a genuine people walk out and act like that. My favorite verse is found in Ephesians, the third chapter, the 10th verse. I didn't, I didn't pull that one up. But it, it says that through the church, through us, the multifaceted wisdom of God will be revealed to every principality and power. Listen, that's everything that wants to exalt itself over the knowledge of God to say, this can't happen. People can't love like this. People can't hope like this. People can't stay together. The scripture says that we will show in the way we love each other how we do community, how we do life together. Not in perfection, but in forgiving each other. Not without tears, but in holding each other. With joys and with sometimes some fussing and fighting. I grew up with five boys in my family and just me. <laughs> there was a lot of fussing and fighting going on. But the thing I love about my family, and, and people were watching, you hear about that when people die, like my dad just died and people were talking about watching us. You know, and they would say, you guys could fight like cats and dogs. And the next thing is like, you want a sandwich? <laughs> and you go in there and make each other some food. Or my brother would, I'm, yelling, I'm hard on my brothers, you know. I'm yelling and fussing at them and fussing back and go, you got gas in your car? Give me the keys. You know, that's the deal. And it sounds so simple because it is. Most of life is about following directions. We've got a wonderful book of them. A wonderful book of them that we can sit and discuss. There's some stuff in there that, you know, I'm a minister. I've been doing this for a few years. There's some things in there. I'd be like, Lord, I don't get that. And so he and I, Spirit and I, have to sit and spend some time. I love posing questions to the Spirit because the Spirit knows how to get answers to me and you. But this is the message. It is a message of kingdom. This is a message of kingdom for you and I. That God exists in a loving community and he wants us to do so as well. So I leave you with these words from the book of Ephesians because you knew I was going to get there. Starting at verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, peace to those who were near. And th for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, we are no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building, meaning us, is joined together and raised to become a holy temple to the Lord. In him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is a kingdom expression that will take us far. I think it's already taken you all far in the way that it's been expressed. We are a center set church, meaning all we want to do is encourage one another toward Christ, how to live better, fuller, to be productive and authentic in our community.
That's genuine. I don't know about you all. I suspect, because I said, yes, I'll come. <laughs> oh, that, that is a part of the deepest desire of your heart. I want to be, I want to know people and to be known in a community. I want to walk with that love. And so it's my desire to continue to build upon what Brad and Becca built and what you all built, to walk in that love as community. It excites me because I've been part of a lot of crazy. <laughs> but I'd rather be a part of crazy in a community of Christians who are committed to one another. So I bless you, and I thank you that you possibly saw in me something that would say, you choose me. And I want you to know today, I choose you too. May God bless you. Amen.